first let me start this off by saying you know what I mean y'all probably not gonna fucking listen to this you're probably not gonna hear me you probably don't have the cojones to fucking listen to what I'm saying you probably don't have the stomach to digest it or the fucking patience or you know layered intellectual understanding to fucking hear me out and if you don't then like that sucks you know what i mean but um if you do then that's cool and you're probably one of my people and we should probably stay in touch and this could be the beginning of something cool i hurt you you know what i mean I had so much to say, like, it's so, like, I'm angry, like, I don't know where to start, where to end, like, I'll just give you back-to-back stories from my own life in the hopes that you can do better than I did, that you can learn from my experiences, and that we collectively can demand better from one another, and we can uphold ourselves to better standards not more uh how you call it what the monks used to do aesthetic ironically sounds like aesthetic which is what a lot of y'all are trying to do play into an aesthetic of freedom rather than the reality of liberation you understand you feel me and that's a problem because like You know how you'll see people like real spiritualists, like dope ass spiritualists, like so many people that I follow, but like I'm thinking of the trap witch who will repost that meme that says like, you know, oh, like this person doesn't look like the healer. And the universe responds back like, the person doesn't act like a healer. The universal shines back. I'm not looking for actors. I'm not looking for someone who looks the way you think they should look. I'm looking for the people who really do it. I feel like angry. And I feel that means I must speak. Because I, I know that I could you know, I feel like I could fill in the gaps. I feel like there's gaps in the political education of present. And I feel like it's that way on purpose. And I feel like it's so many people who have the mic who shouldn't have the mic. And I realize I think I feel I feel angry because I feel responsible. Because I feel like it damn like if I had never put down the mic, you know, like would things be different? Like really I realized that I, I feel guilty and I realized that's not helpful. And I also realized that I put down that mic because I couldn't end up like Darren Wilson, may he rest in power or Malcolm X or Asada Shakur. Like it's like, it's not easy to die for what you believe in, but it is in a way easier to, um, agree to die for what you believe in than to continue to live those values stand up or show up for those values in what you believe in that's 
challenging. That takes integrity and that takes self-sacrifice. But that also takes a community that's willing to help you. And the thing about our goddamn communities is that they're fragged. They're fragmented and they're fragged. Cointelpro has done such a number on our communities that I really wager a guess that half the people y'all following and looking up to are the feds themselves and on some kind of specific payroll. And I'm not saying that to put my fucking tinfoil hat on, my conspiracy theory fucking jacket. I'm saying it because, like, I would see a lot more shit moving if it was not the case. And that's a fact. To the point, I'll say this with my whole chest. Like, it's people out there with the big platform who, like, I don't even trust just off of the fact that when they were moving, when I was moving, I feel like they should have, they should be in the same position as me. Like, I see Brie Newsom all the time with her hot takes and, like, her fame and platform. And I feel like I don't trust Brie Newsom, goddammit. Because, like, how the fuck she climbed on the Statue of Liberty and she's out here free as a bird. My ass never touched a national monument. And I had to fucking go on the ground for seven fucking years. Like, you feel me? Like, I, I see people who, like, been about it, been about it, been about it. Like, Tuff Paul, Ashley Yates, motherfucking Rebel Diaz. And, like, you don't be seeing them at the same platform and in the same places. Like, that you be seeing motherfucking DeRay and Brie Newsom and fucking Sean King. You understand what I'm trying to tell you? It's a weird fucking weird world out here. So when I see white activists who are motherfucking spiritual influencers, not spiritualists, spiritual fucking influencers running the fucking mouth, like, it makes me rub my fingers together like a cricket bitch. Like, it really the fuck does. And, like, I didn't really understand it at the time. Maybe I wasn't so self-aware. But, like, when people talk about ratchet revolutionary and laugh and thought of me or think that I'm, like, a bully or I'm a thug, even though I thought I was the most gentle little flower, now the fuck I understand why. Because people don't talk to these white women like the way that I would fucking talk to them. And for better or for worse, like somebody needs to sometimes tell them just shut the fuck up. Cause like other people have some motherfucking shit to say. And your position here, you know what I mean, is doing more harm than good. And I'll tell you straight because these are the same type of women, literally, literally, like literally, These are the same type from here, from where I the fuck live in this liberal fucking New England hellhole, beautiful fucking paradox, paradoxical fucking hellscape that they're in a room with me for five minutes and I am being a nice little flower and they start crying or they, 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 they're so, they're so how you call it. They're so uncomfortable. Because I got the yams. <laughs> you know because I, mean? I got the stench of fucking liberation that they can't help but try to fucking colonize me right there. Then they just want me to shut up. 
they want to tell me how they're smarter than me because like they they're inspired by me or they oh my god this motherfucker gonna run into a train <gasps> sweet jesus okay they turned at the last second like whatever the fuck it is like they just want to tell me i'm wrong like they just want to fucking fix me they just want to fucking do some other shit and they end up crying they end up saying like whatever the fuck they're doing they can't actually handle when people like me share our truth even if we're not the fuck talking about them because if it's not about them they don't fucking like it straight up my guys fucking coffee is so bitter and strong bitter medicine is the word of the day and let me tell you something about bitter things bitter gourd the fucking what's the the japanese the the plum umaboshi plum bitch fucking kimchi to a degree the bitter gourd you know these things that are bitter that's one of the necessary tastes because it cleanses your blood it helps you to become healthier cleanses you of fucking toxins okay people want to write off bitter but without bitter, you're not going to survive. You're not going to be fucking healthy. Straight the fuck up. So, I'm going to tell you all about my own personal experiences and failures for a couple minutes. Because why not? A little bit of self-flagellation is good for everybody, you know? It's good for everybody, you know. It used to be a place for me to cower in self-pity or despair. Now it's just a place of learning. And there's some potent, juicy fucking marshals in there. That I learned. But before I get into that lovely, lovely lesson, I want to tell you something else. And that is that, like... Maybe I have been humble for too long, honest to God. Well, honest to God. <laughs> like, maybe I've been needing to tell people shut the fuck up for a long time. Maybe I was good at that, and I should have just kept doing that. <laughs> Louder instead of quieter, honestly. <laughs> and without fucking sanitizing my words and perspective. Seriously. Like, I've been too nice. And it's not helped anybody. At all. Least of all myself. Least of all myself. But what my Angelou say, like, there's no greater fucking pain than bearing an untold story inside of me. Got so many stories, bitch. I'm bursting at the fucking seams. Like them people on Twitter said Usher's back was. You understand? I'm bursting at the fucking seams. What I'm saying is that, like... When you actually sit with somebody who knows how to hold space for people, like, for real, for real... Not people, like, not like, bestie, like, their fucking circle. The people. People who make them uncomfortable. People who smelly. People who mental illness. People who addiction. People. 
the people who know how to how, how to hold space with people the people who have faced down the darkness of their own soul and come through renewed and not unscathed you know the healers the wounded healers who don't pretend to not have seen battle you feel a different energy okay you feel a different energy and i say that because the way that some people talk and run their mouth on the internet and do all this and all that like i told you i fucking i'm telling you i bet money i sit down in a room with these people they start crying shaking throwing up sweating shivering start talking about their parents when they were six years old I say something, start talking about how I could talk nicer to white women. And then by the end of it, I'm the fucking bad guy. These people who don't know how to sit with discomfort, they don't know how to sit with their own emotion. They don't know how to sit with people. They should not be in the positions that they're in. And I'll tell you, it's easy to be the loudest person in the room and to garner a following. It's easy as fuck, bro. And once you start getting people to follow you, it's an avalanche. It's a fucking snowball effect. It's just going to get bigger. So if that's not to say that if you're like, like, like listening to these people, like, you know, you lack, you know, discernment. That is to say that it's easy to not only get the wool pulled over your eyes, but to be seduced and enchanted when people have the sway of the, the eyes of thousands on them and they have a certain kind of power and control. It's easy to ignore that little inner nudge or gut feeling. It's like, I don't, I don't know about this person. And like, that's a whole separate issue. Like, honestly, like that's like a whole different issue. But the issue I'm making and I'm pulling forward, the point that I'm fucking talking about is that when actually people have held space with people, they have a different kind of, like, you know it. Like, I know it because I'm one of them people and I know how the fuck to do that. And you just, you can't fucking tell. People who know how to be with their discomfort, but who also have spent time with the people who are of the people who've been around fucking poor people, black people, fucking the dirty kinds of people that y'all wouldn't associate with. And you tell yourself you would. And you might fucking, you know, give a homeless person a $2 bill and tell yourself that you did. But then in real life, you would, you know what I mean, shit like, you know, like snatch your purse when you've seen them walking or turn your fucking shoulder or whatever the fuck. And it disgusts me. It disgusts me. It, 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 it disgust you fucking disgust me. Like y'all should not be, people should not, people, you are not a safe person for people to be in fucking space with in a healing capacity. You're, you're like, you're the type of person that we used to fucking make fun of in the desert. And that's a deep cut. Like, it's only, like, probably, like, three people on the planet who know what the fuck I'm talking about. And shout out to them three motherfuckers. Because y'all give even the fucking name spirituality a fucking bad name. You know what I mean? Y'all are a joke. And you, too, like, have a purpose here. You know, unfortunately, you too are a teacher of mine, you know, so thank you. Thank you for finally fucking crossing my path in the right way to just like, you know, incite me to speak 
in such inflammatory ways to wake the fuck up from my voice box again to show people you know a different side of the the conversation a different aspect of the perspective when it's clearly fucking missing because i don't i waited and i looked and i don't the fuck see it <laughs> so like, allow me to present it allow me to fucking reintroduce myself okay bitch this one time at band camp i was organizing with this beautiful amazing person like me they were a poor person plus they had all the plus 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 identity politics that's gonna help you listen to them what the fuck you want me to tell you they're queer check they're fucking disabled check they're this check 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 okay they have the little check boxes okay they have the check boxes now i live in massachusetts and it's a lot of liberals who took a fucking interest in me from the time that they found me and shaped me up in their fucking image. You understand? And showed me like, oh, don't do this, don't do that. <laughs> you know that. They fucking told me how to move in this world. <clears throat> and these activists, I'm sure, like, from their, how do you call it, um, perspective, they were the truth, you know? From their position, like, what they were doing was, right, from their X, Y, and Z. Excuse me, I got all these uh, uh, messages coming in. Oh, my the work don't stop, my nigga. The work don't fucking stop. And the base keeps running, running. So, this girl, she was my friend. She was my comrade. That's what we used to call each other. Me and my niggas. We used to call each other comrades. Because we were the revolution. You understand me? We were the revolutionaries. We called each other comrade. And she did all the work and she was awesome. And she lived in the city. And you know what her favorite little thing to do? When she showed up for a meeting or to whatever it was? She showed up with the cutest, sweetest little Starbucks bottle. A nice little drinky drink, little ice cafe. Or a little peppermint macchiato latte, or a little chocolate chippity, chippity chalk. She always had them, and you know my training was um I don't know how you call it you know uh, when something is natural like breathing to you, second to none or instinct you know. And it was the weirdest thing because I would say these things out my fucking mouth and I meant them for sure, but it wasn't like, it was just like what I thought was the right thing. I don't know how to explain it. She would show up to meetings 
with her little bottle of her little Starbucks. And I would be like, nonchalant as fuck. And serious. Like, well, you shouldn't buy Starbucks. Starbucks oppress Palestinian people. Palestinian people, they're our revolutionary comrades. Got to the point I stopped saying all the shit and all the facts and all the numbers. I just started saying shit like, I don't know, man. Every time you spend a dollar at Starbucks, it's kind of like you're giving a dollar for bullets for housing kids. It got to the point we took a selfie together one time in my car. And I put up a big no sticker in between us because she was holding a Starbucks cup. Like, let's get into this, right? You know, technically, logistically, fucking legality-wise, I don't know. I wasn't wrong. I was spitting facts, my nigga. Like, nary a lie was shed. Like, the CEO of Starbucks at that time was, like, a super Zionist. Like, you got Captain America? He was, like, Captain Zionism, bitch. Now, let me tell you how this eventually played out. That person who was like a sister to me, this whole time I was talking to her like this, she was growing resentful of me. I I couldn't know that. I didn't know that. Because I didn't know and I couldn't know. I was growing resentful of so many of the people who had so-called, you know, taught me political education, organizing, whatever the fuck. Right? Because they lacked fucking nuance, bitch. They lacked the ability to tell me to my face that like, yes, like lateral violence does exist. What the fuck, k say? I'm the biggest hypocrite of 2015 when gangbanging made me kill a nigga blacker than me, hypocrite. Like, it's on some tricky shit. Because if a non-black person says black people kill each other, like they should get punched in the face because they're racist as fuck. But if K-Dot says it, or somebody who's crippin', or a blood, or a fucking Latin King, somebody should pull up a chair and fucking listen to what they're trying to say and hear them the fuck out. It's complicated. It is fucking nuanced. Because life is nuanced. Because living is nuanced. Because we're fucking nuanced beings. We are not one-dimensional. We are not pencil scripts on paper. We are fully fleshed out people, with fully fleshed out ties to the systems that kill us and each other. And it's amazing because like my philosophy boils down to this apparently. And I thought I was just going crazy. But actually, let me, let me finish up my story with homegirl. My close friend, when I was on the run for a little bit, she let me stay there. Blah, 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 blah. Do you think we, we are in contact now? Do you think we fucking talk? No. Because I labeled her essentially as a colonizer because of this one thing she did. And so let me, let me, let me wrap this up. Do you think that her Starbucks trips twice a week, every week, stopped probably the fuck not she's probably enjoying her starbucks right now do you think that they might be raiding her made her a better organizer 
for a, a better person? No. Do you think that her, let's say, $60 Starbucks a month habit is the one thing that's stopping Palestinian people from receiving their justice? No, it's not. Now she probably never stopped drinking Starbucks despite me, because the way I made her fucking feel. Real talk. And she's not wrong for that. The irony here is that last year I started drinking Starbucks and I got three Starbucks thermoses that I love. Now there's only thermoses that I have. Can't throw them away. Can't fucking walk around and drink out of them. They're using my water or my little homemade tea. Hypocrite. You understand? Hypocrite. Anyway, what the fuck else was I saying? That really caught me up for a second. Plus, my hand got cold. It's fucking New England. What the fuck else I was trying to tell you? More stories for my life. I don't even know, bitch. That show will come back to me, but... How, how you treat people, how you talk to people, it matters. And... You know... I guess I'll show you a beautiful story. And, you know, forgive me because this woman had a monumental influence on my life and changed my life. And I can't remember her name right now, not because she wasn't important to my life or transformative, but simply because I have so much trauma tied up with those years of my life that it's memories that are just foggy, straight up. And I could go back to my journals and find her name. And I hope in the future we'll meet again. But in this moment, I really couldn't tell you her name. So it came a point when I was organizing and I seen white people moving in this crazy way. Even the quote-unquote good ones, even the people who were standing against white supremacy, whatever the fuck, they just, <laughs> they were doing some fuck shit consistently, motherfucker, consistently. And I was like, you know what? For the safety of the black people, the brown people, the indigenous people, blah, 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 BIPOC, queer to square trans community all that shit we need to have separate spaces from white people not because I fucking hate white devils because y'all fucking shit up y'all dangerous y'all divisive so my little cadre my little community we're gonna have what's called a fucking white allies group and a fucking POC allies group. They all support them black people. They all show the fuck up. And baby, did they show up. They all met and organized. But when we had meetings, we also had separate meetings. That was just for black people. Because we had our own shit we needed to discuss. And fucking work through. But let me tell you this. Power is the most enticing drug. And people be more interested in power than in fucking liberation. Because people, jealousy is, <laughs> jealousy is a disease. Like, die slow. Shout out Nicki Minaj. Even though now she's a fucking oppressor in her own right from fucking being oppressed. 
saying crazy shit. Come on, Onika, what the fuck, baby girl? You crazy as fuck. Mm. Bitch, you a monster. Automobile gangster. I was listening. I, I I heard this song, The Secret Recipe, and I was like, damn, this shit is fire. But Cole said some shit. He said, some activists got so rich, probably hope we stay oppressed. And I was like, damn, the whole fucking actually, the whole bar is sick, my nigga. Missed it in the car, cold as fuck. But that shit was accurate. Man, I go, he did not miss. And even I know some young men. Me and Jay Cole said this stuff about homegirl. You know, homegirl. Book, black book reading group, whatever the fuck. We don't listen to Cole. Good for you. He's a activist. That's a rich probably hope we stay oppressed. I don't even talk about the racial tensions because some of y'all just being fueled by that shit at this point. And I was like, that's a bar. Bar for bar, my nigga, that's a bar. So when I was like, we need fucking white spaces that are not involved in our black spaces, but that still support us. This white woman, man, she stepped the fuck up. She was like, cool, I'll coordinate the white ally space. And I'm telling you, this was the most beautiful, gentle, righteous human. She fucking contacted us. I used to do this thing at certain events where I would have the white people stand up up on the outside and be the circle for the the black people on the inside so the police wouldn't do the police brutality. And I'm telling you, it worked like gangbusters. I got to do a part two because um, somebody about to get in this car and I can't continue. But um, we're going to we're going to pick this we're going to pick this back up. I must be on to something because these recordings keep deleting. Let's try it again. So I was just saying, welcome back. Hope you had a sweet little intermission. Got some some snacks, stretch, whatever, whatever you do. I hope you did it well. When I was uh, when I left you off, I was talking about what the white organizers group, the white allies group, would do with, for, and around us, and so. Um, you know, we would use their white, uh, we would use white supremacy as a, you know, shield and an axe. We would use the white privilege as a cloak. So we noticed um, a very heartbreaking fact, uh, but, you know, very, you know, useful to us as, as we, as the way that we thought, you know, we would find the way that things could be useful to us. And so when we saw that, you know, even if there were 15, 20 of us, you know, black people, brown people, cops would bring scores and scores of people and it could be very scary. Even if we had my friend 300 people or more and a lot of them were white, the cops would just sit back with their arms crossed and laugh or whatever. And um, I mean, it's heartbreaking. Like, you know, when you live with, you know, racism or any kind of oppression really, it's like all those feelings, it's grief, you know, it's, it's sad, it's frustrating, it's annoying. Um, it's really upsetting because, you know, you see like, you know, 15 people like, you know, like, come on, like, what could we actually do? Like, you know, I mean, change the world. I'm not trying to diminish what we did, but I'm just saying like, you know, you have 300 people. Are you worried about crowd control? Are you worried about, you know, no, because you see a lot of white faces. So you're going to give us our space. 
So we decided to utilize that. Like I said, by um, using that white privilege and using white supremacy as a shield and as an ax. So essentially what we would do was we would have the white um, activists encircle the, the black activists and the brown activists with us being in the center so that we would not be harmed. And um, it was amazing because, you know, we had a lot of white activists who were like young, able-bodied, sure, but we also had, you know, uh, white elders, you know, white, you know, people with like canes, like walking aids, all this kind of stuff. And I mean, not to say like if we didn't continue every single day, the police wouldn't have beat them senseless, but for their optics, for our presence, for the moment in time, it was not in the best interest of the police to brutalize those kind of people in the society. And so, um, we, we were often protected from some of the physical violence that can often come with a big rally or a big protest or, or whatever. And it was beautiful. And I will say now that I'm aware of my, you know, gifts, my abilities, my spiritual connections, uh, about all of this stuff, it was definitely my, my ancestors, my psychic energy, mediumshipness that allowed me to, you know, pivot groups on a dime and say like, okay, now we go back to the cars now, now. And it was incredible because um, so often people who, you know, just didn't like me or whatever would, would, would <laughs> you know, start to do this thing where they would be like jealous of the fact that people listen to me, which probably came from them feeling unheard at some point in their life and their own relationships. And they would just like, you know, try to question that or something. Um, and, and, and it was amazing because I was always trying to accommodate everyone, which is, you know, a big lesson that I've learned uh, and was actually more dangerous to me than anyone else, letting everyone else's outside influences, you know, impact my decision making. Um, but I think also there's something that happens when you see a woman and also a woman who's like me in a position of power is that it's so different from perhaps things that you've seen that, you know, it does, it just, it, it does something to you. And it did something to some people. Um, ironically, hilariously, um, a lot of the people who ended up trying to take me down were women. Um, most of them you know, non-black people of color who can often be more racist towards black women uh, than white people. Um, but that's, again, a discussion for another day. But, you know, my leadership was constantly um, questioned and under fire. And what I realize now is that that's what happens when you're a leader. You know, when you're a parent, when you're in a position of authority or power or you know, anything like that. It, and, and it doesn't, I mean, you know, none of us are flawless and we can all always learn. And yet, you know, often that stuff has nothing to do with your, what you're actually doing, but it's just the natural cycle of things, you know? Um, when a bunch of flower seeds are scattered to the wind, a bunch of weeds grow around them to try and keep them down. And many, you know, weeds will win and eat the flowers, and many flowers will win too. 
it's the dynamic of power, you know, it's the dynamic of ruling, standing up. When you do so, you know, there will be always things that want to take you down. And so that's why spiritually you have to be grounded. And the thing is that I was spiritually, like, uh, how can I describe the way that I'm picturing it? You can get a lot of avatar references from me. I'm going to tell you now. You know, that's me. It's like, uh, it's like, uh, baby, I'm tall and I got my feet, you know, um, encased in some, in some dirt and soil. And you here trying to, you know, get me off my square, but every vibration, I feel it. So, like, you're not going to get me off my square. Like, it's not so easy to take me down. Like, it's not going to happen so easy, baby. Like, you could try to knock me down, but it's not going to happen. Only time when Toph is in that position, Toph is going to get knocked down, is when one of her comrades, Katara or somebody, is like, all right, Toph, let's go. And Toph unroots herself. You know what I mean? And that's what I did. I unrooted myself, basically. And... And that's my motherfuckers rooted me <laughs> and uh, crossed me up. But anyway, like by allowing all these other people into my energy and taking everything that everyone said at face value, I allowed myself to become unbalanced because I was I was pretty spiritually grounded. So anyways, anyways, I'm I I don't know what the hell happened in the last twenty minutes that made me so differently introspective because now I'm really just reflecting on everything about that time which is fine I guess but um was not re- really my my sole intention here and that was to just keep sharing stories from my life that have been lessons right so and and to just progressively show you you know from my life experience, <laughs> how it relates to things that are unfolding now that I'm seeing play out now. So, a lot of these white women in these activist spaces are so 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 dangerous. Um, I don't know how to how to say this like kindly especially if they're like of a certain age bracket and a certain like political meaning, right? Because these like quote unquote liberal or quote unquote progressive white women, they're gonna have, you know, certain access to education. They're gonna have certain like awareness that aggression exists. They're gonna have some certain, obviously amount of like guilt and whatever. And they are gonna want power and they're gonna think that they're um, experiences living, you know, under a system that involves patriarchy are equated and the same to the oppressions and experiences that the rest of us deal with, and they're not. And so that's going to mean that they're going to want to, you know, push back consistently because they're going to think they're right. What it also means is that they're not used to people telling them that they're wrong. And many of them can't handle it. And so let me try and like break this down a little more because it's like some of these white women that I'm speaking of, you know, they have the, they have the, 
the privilege that comes with whiteness and the access, but because they've tasted some of the oppression that comes with not being like a man, they, I mean, it's, it's tricky, right? Because the, the, the thing, the word for it is like white saviorism complex, right? And so like a lot of white women, like they, they in this position, they don't know how to work with other people, right? They don't know how to work with other people. They don't play nice, you understand? Because what they actually want is power for themselves. They think that that means liberation, but it does not. And so, you know, they, they're, they're dangerous because they don't have the same agenda and end goal as the rest of us do. And they also don't know how to listen, right? They don't know how to listen to Black people. And at the end of the day, it's because of white supremacy. It's because they don't see white people as fully fleshed out human beings. Like, I could give you endless examples from the day I was born, bitch, until fucking right in this moment. Like, you know... And these these are the things that present as microaggressions. And if you're not somebody who has like really strong faith in yourself or in what you're doing or in whatever, then you're gonna fall prey to them and let doubt, you know, grow in you like a seed. So like, you know, you'll be like, oh, like the people were saying this was uncomfortable, and this was probably like a racist incident. Oh no, like that bakery is always really nice to me. Like I don't I don't think it was racism. It must have been something else. Was the person, you know, being too loud when they asked, or maybe it was the way they dropped, like, that's, it's racism, bitch. And, like, you don't see it. And, like, I think what we're talking about is, like, sorrow. Like, this is what I keep coming back to, is that, like, the work is also in grieving. And, like, you know, when you learn that, you know, you can, you're on a good path. Because, like, grieving out loud is something that in the modern Western society is strictly taboo. So taboo that we don't even necessarily name it as taboo or know that it's taboo but it is fucking taboo and maybe people think it's not because there's always cutesy movies about death where it's like like life and a funeral to wedding what is it called to like weddings and a funeral like people talk about death like that's but like no like it is that like grieving is a taboo and grieving is supposed to have some kind of neat finish or neat bow on it or neat timeline and the truth is that when we don't know how to just like feel our feelings like this is what it comes down to this is why taking care of yourself ultimately is the best most revolutionary thing you can ever do being the most healthy version of yourself you know and let me let me let me let me slide into something else here for a minute you know i i had experiences in my life where you know some of the people who were some of my amazing revolutionary teachers were like white queer anarchists or white queer trans anarchists and I was like you know what is it about these folks that is so like liberated and liberating and like you know and like reasonable like when these people show up to spaces like where I am or where black people are whatever like they like what they have to offer is useful and they are also not you know, trying to fucking take over and everything. And 
I mean, I think it's a lot of things, but I think that the people who hold like those identities that I'm discussing, like have had to go through, like, first of all, like a body dysmorphic experience, an experience of being, you're being a body in a world where, you know, it doesn't belong, which is what it is to be a captive person under white supremacy, you know, or under colonialism. Like, you know, even if you are on your own land, even if whatever, there are systems in place that are imposing upon you and telling you like your body, like you are wrong. Like that's basically what racism is. Like your brain's not big enough, but your muscles are, you know, you don't feel pain the same way, you know, so we'll cut open your wounds for 20 years and experiment on you. Like your body is not a, a human body. It is a dehumanizing experience. I think that trans people have had the certain kind of dehumanizing experience that breeds compassion because you know like Thich Nhat Hanh says like many teachers will show you like you know suffering breeds compassion and like the way that you you learn to hold space like the depth of your joy is also the depth of your ability to hold grief like things in this life happen in a, in a, in a duality you know and that's where I feel these um that's where I also feel these white folks, you know, get confused. It's like when you pay for your drive through meal with a quarters, it doesn't matter if the quarter is face up or if it's face down. The person taking your money doesn't even look at it. They take the quarter, they add it to your total, and they give you a receipt or change or whatever. And, you know, the grief and the rage and the, you know, having all these followers, like it's the same coin doesn't matter if it's face up or face down. Like we're still dealing in systems of imbalance of power, you know? And so like when people don't have that ability to like acknowledge and hold grief and to do these things in the same way, they become very dangerous because they are actually, even if they're like, oh, we're doing the hard work. No, like they're love and lighting, they're spiritual bypassing. And on a personal note, like, I really just have disdain in my heart for the people who make a name for themselves just by tearing other people down and just by like, um, quote unquote, calling other people out or whatever. Like they, they, they're pretending that they're like, um, I don't know, Malcolm X's because they're like, you know, being mean. But what they actually are is like Perez Hilton's and like Malcolm X wasn't mean, like he was honest. But that's the funny and ironic thing, like these people don't know honesty because they don't know their own grief. I do. Motherfuckers do. Like it's it's on your, it's not even on your sleeve, babe. Like it's on your chest. Like all your wounds, all your failures, all your pain, like it's projected right out there for all the rest of us to see. Like we get it and like you fucking hate men. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. You fucking want to be accepted by black women. Like, I get it. I get it. I get it. But, like, there's another thing that happens. Oof. Let me fucking dismantle the fucking violence of white women continuously. There's another thing that happens where... 
where people who like I'm not okay, first of all, like you can tell like who fucks with niggas, my nigga. You could tell who fucks with the proletariat. You could tell who's been fucking dirt poor and almost froze to death and cold as shit. You can tell who's had to have the fucking real ass questions on their head. You can tell who's gone through fucking initiation. You know what I mean? Maybe you can't. I fucking can. I feel like a lot of people can. Like you could tell who have gone through the struggles. And not in a way that's like, yes, I like whatever the fuck. I don't know. I'm calling out every motherfucking body. Like when you've gone through certain things, it humbles you in a way. Not in a way that is like fake and self-sacrificing. That's really self-aggrandizing. But in a way that, you know, helps you have understanding of different people. And there's a, a thing that happens with white women that's almost the most disgusting. Like, almost more disgusting. This is what people don't understand. Like, in some ways, like, I'd rather people, like, call me like the hard ER to my face and like spit in my face and do this bullshit because there's this thing that happens where white women you know fetishize black people in a way that is also dehumanizing and like they fetishize the act of activism and like you know when an electric group went through some real fucked up sexual conduct allegations a couple years ago. So I'm not saying I'm pro 100% Renona Luke's religious organization. Like, I don't know what the fuck happened with that. I have not followed up. But I will tell you that, like, Renona LaDuke has, like, done and said some cool shit. And, like, you know, I like to talk about people that I've either worked with or worked with their work or met them or whatever. Because I'm talking about my life experiences. But Renona LaDuke, you know, her, her famous, you know, quote, one of her famous most famous thing she said was like I don't know why like wanting water you know and not like oil for water makes me an activist instead of just like a person who like wants to like be alive you know and I think that kind of is what it boils down to like you know Palestinian people like okay they're activists but they're not activists you know what I mean like they're people living really sad that's really sad Palestinian people are not activists you know what I mean Palestinian people are people living under apartheid and colonialism or trying to breathe who are trying to be free who are you know living through you know extreme violence and brutality and who are like doing their damnedest to survive the genocide and, and attempted extermination of their people Like, that's the thing. Like, that's why, like, when we talk about, like, oh, nuance and all this shit is important. Like, some of y'all lack the fucking caliber, my nigga, because, like, the, like, Palestinian people are not, like, activists. They're, they're people that are, like, really trying to survive. You know what I mean? And so many of us who become, quote, unquote, activists, like, what, like, what does that actually mean under, like, these systems of oppression? Like, that's a real question to sit with because, like, we're actually just people who are trying to survive. You understand? Like, people who are trying to do good in our communities and survive. So it's, like, a weird thing. It's, like, even that can be, like, you know, dehumanizing. 
because it's like idolatry like people fetishize when you you know can you know stir people into action or when you can be a leader and bring people together and like that's okay like that will happen to a degree like we all like look there are stands like you know what i mean people who admire other people like that's always going to happen i'm not saying that it's bad to admire people but there's something that really is so sickening like these it's like it's like they want to eat you you know they want to be they want to wear your skin you know and when white people who fetishize black people like this i like people have said certain things to me like they have a certain complex because maybe slavery topic makes them uncomfortable like where they're like i will like you can walk on me like i'll like it's like a, it's like a fucking domination king like a submission king like fetish like it's just like yeah it's like you know oh like sacred black person oh like a holy native person like oh like brave Palestinian, the rare survivor we will kiss the ground you walk on and we like <laughs> like we are so wrong for being white but it's not it's like a sh- it's like for them it's like weird it's like you know what it is? Nancy Pelosi wearing a fucking kente cloth and kneeling. You know what I mean? With a bunch of fucking other congressional people. While also, like, exploiting, like, people and making money off of them. And then, like, a couple, several months later, being like, anybody who doesn't support Israel is a Russian spy. <laughs> or whatever. Like you're, you were never, you were never invested in like black people or black struggles or George Floyd. Like obviously, you just, you're, you were just like capitalizing on the moment in the sickest possible way. Like literally sick. Like again, like some kind of like BDSM fetish. Like why were you kneeling when like Colin Kaepernick lost like his job kneeling? And when a man was fucking knelt on his fucking neck. Don't you think that's disrespectful? It's like the whole joke about like Christians wearing Jesus on a crucifix. Like, do you really think that's Jesus' favorite memory? Like, do you really think like Jesus walking around on earth today, he want to see himself hung up on a cross on your neck? Like, that was not a good fucking three days for Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, pick another, pick another memory, my nigga. <laughs> like, it's weird. It's cannibalistic. It's fucking fetishizing and ultimately it's dehumanizing, which was the whole point of what we were trying to fight. And so my thing is like, we will continue to dehumanize each other if we can't do the inner work also of self-reflection. And when we continue to, you know, other each other, demonize each other and be cannibalistic towards each other, there soon will be nothing left. It's like, you know, people talk about crabs in the barrel, but the whole thing is like, the barrel is not a crab's natural fucking habitat. They shouldn't be in the barrel in the first place. And so it's like, we need to self-reflect so that we don't all tear each other down all the time. Because this is not how we're supposed to be living in the first place. Like, this is not how it's supposed to be. And, like, you can improve that, like, every day. Like, sure, like, do the protests, say the things. But, like, how you interact with other people tells me everything I need to know about you. And, like... If you are making a name for yourself 
like calling out everyone who like you think is wrong i'm gonna tell you straight like that's fucked up and the reason this is what i was like getting into like this is my whole life philosophy essentially is that like under the system capitalism colonialism white supremacy whatever you want to call it the incredible Amanda Garcia called it the necro state. I don't know if she coined that term herself. Follow her. You know, the necro state is <laughs> when we talk about these things are a death cult. And so it's like I want you to understand what that means. You know, it's not, you know, Zionist Israelis, you know, butchering people, children. It's them fucking burning and raising olive fields to the ground so that anyone who survives cannot go pluck its fucking fruit like who the fuck does that like that's some like shit like next level shit that like it's poisoning the water it's destroying all universities and this is important and i guess we're gonna really like keep doing this deep dive keep doing this 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 deep dive i'm gonna tell you straight i'm publishing this i'm promoting this i'm fucking putting this out there and if you're listening and you listened and you like this and you're still listening go ahead and follow me uh, go ahead and donate a little something to me. Go ahead and, you know, get on my email list, something. Thank you for being here. Um, truly. This is work, you know. And thank you for listening. Fucking witnessing my witness. Okay. So, the thing about crabs in a barrel, or the thing about cannibalism, is that it happens in unnatural circumstances. I mean, maybe sometimes it naturally occurs in nature, but often it, you know, is it is the, the, the most propane of the propanes. It is the unholy. It is the thing that happens when things have gone so far fucking left that other options seem, you know, non-existent or few and far between, right? It is what happens when you're not in the right space. And so the reason crabs tear each other down is because they don't belong in that barrel in the first place, right? This state loves to see us fighting each other rather than fighting it. Because although the state is made up of people with addresses, you could go to their addresses and, you know, people who make the laws, like, it is also... You know, this is spiritual warfare as well, and that's what I think. That's where I think, I, like, we, y'all get lost. Like, y'all think y'all not lost, and you moving like the whole fucking devil. Like, this is spiritual warfare. If you don't have your spiritual protection up and your spiritual, you know, battle armor on, then how do you know you're not even doing the work of your own enemy, right? So. Right here. So, let's let's do like a, a little TLDR history of American genocide, right? Like I was talking about raising those things to the ground and stuff. To talk about American colonialism, I have to talk about European colonialism for a second. Um, shout out to my granddad. Shout out to my dad, my muertos, my ancestrales for always leaving me breadcrumbs until I found enough to make a sandwich, bitch. But thanks to my granddaddy, I have access to some really detailed 
writings about, you know, the witch trials in Europe. And this directly applies, okay? So I think 15th century, there's like a fucking, you know, when you're in school and you have like a, like a schedule for your whole day or you're like at a conference and you have a whole itinerary, like they're like 9.15 breakfast, 9.35 conference rooms A, B, and C, then a lunch breakout. Okay, it was like this, something like this. It was like the average torture of a witch in Germany during, you know, the witch trials. And it was like, first, a pack of sulfur would be put on a woman's back and on her underarms and then lit on fire. Then she would be tied up with screws and whipped on the back. Then the torturer would go out for breakfast while she was hung up. When he came back, she would be, no, the first thing actually before the fire was shaving all of her hair. You know, gotta look for a witch mark. And this was usually done publicly. Shaving her hair, her pubic hair, her eyebrows, everything in like a public square. It's like, think about what has to happen to you when that happens. You're probably going to be shaking. You're probably going to be convulsing. You're going to be so traumatized from that 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 fucking sexual violent abuse that even before all the rest of the physical beatings and abuse like you 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 would probably say some shit just like just because like that was so humiliating you know what i mean and that's oh, that's a whole nother episode about how sexual violence is just an, a tool of control you know it's never about sex and always about power right <clears throat> Yeah, I'm fucking preaching. I need to get some water in here, some shit. This is a lot. Probably gonna have another cigarette. So anyway, but it detailed a day full of torture. And I just want to make a note that when I read this was in Germany, I was amazed. I was like, this is so interesting. Because this is the ancestral history, you know, to a certain point, of the people in Germany who later gave rise to the Nazi movement. You know, what we understand about epigenetics is that trauma lives in our blood in our bones, in our, you know, sperm, and in our eggs, and in our fucking hair follicles, you know, what we get is passed down, the gifts and the blessings, the traumas and the joys, so that was so interesting to me, but anyways, so, you know, in Europe, the kind of torture that was happening to women because men wanted their land, but also because of sexual repression, which is where it gets juicy when we can talk about the church, right? Because, you know, and I, I don't know enough about asexual people. So this is not in regards to asexual people. Mad love and respect to all my aces out there. This is not about asexual people. But, you know, a lot of uh, healthy adults, humans, people, uh, have libido, have a healthy sexual urge. It's a normal thing that happens when you have balanced hormone levels, when you're healthy, you want to have sex. And sex is such an important part of our life and our creativity and our existence. And so when you repress that, I have this theory that I talk about a lot, that when you repress something enough, it comes out in some kind of inverse or perverse form. And the analogy that I use for that is like a toothpaste. If you like open up a toothpaste thing, and squeeze out the toothpaste, it's gonna come out smooth and natural, like it's just gonna happen. But if you just grab a toothpaste, you know, tube by the end and just squeeze, 
like a hole is going to pop up and toothpaste is just going to come squirting out of anywhere at the moment that you least expect it and when you don't want it to, right? Wherever you're putting pressure and repression on something that naturally happens, it is going to sprout up in some way, in some form, because nothing is ever destroyed. Energy never dies. It simply changes form. Energy never dies. It simply changes form. This is true of nature. This is true of magic. So like, you, you, you know, you think you're here stomping out, you know, it's like the hydra, basically. You're going to cut off one head, two more heads grow. And so I also don't know enough about the history of the church, but like whoever and whenever decided that people in the church who were the most high, actually, I can see that clearly. Spirit, show me where that happened. When colonialism happened in Africa, Babylon, Sumeria, like where ancient goddess cultures were worshipped very highly, Constantinople, wherever people tried to stomp out the goddess and replace the god, they copy and paste it without actually the spiritual power, without the balance, and that's where the repression started and happened. Thank you, spirit. Thank you, memory. Thank you, history. You know, when the church decided that, like, okay, man is in relationship to God, and man cannot have sex unless he stays holy, it was such a fucking stupid farce, because, like, healthy people have sex. And so when people say like, okay, they're gonna deal with themselves with the cloth, like they don't have stop having sexual urges. Even if you stop having sexual urges for a time or go through a time in your life as a pious person, you are still gonna get sexual urges. And if you tell yourself like, oh, that's okay, like then like healthy things can happen. But when you sit in like a dark corner of isolation and you're like, oh my God, I've sinned, I've had an impure thought you fucking self-flagellate, that becomes a kink. And when you tell yourself, like, you know, like, I can't do it, then, then it becomes something perverse, and the perversion grows and grows and grows and grows and grows until you have outbreaks of things I'm not going to dive into right now, but y'all know what I'm talking about. And it becomes sick and twisted and dark when it could have been beautiful. Maybe you could have been a church person, a pastor, a person of the cloth, and then for 10 years, and then you left and got married or for two years, or for whatever. Maybe you're supposed to go through a period of celibacy. Maybe everyone is, but maybe it's not supposed to last your entire fucking life. That's not what healthy people, aside from ACEs, like, experience. Healthy people have sexual fucking urges. It's not sinful. It's not bad. It's not dark. It's healthy. Like, peeing or crying. You can't stop yourself from doing those things. But when you convince yourself that those things are evil, bad things happen. So anyways, there's so, what I, what I was realizing when I was reading about, you know, the witchcraft torture cases and stuff was how, how much sexual, like, and eroticism there was. Like, I was wondering, and I would love to know about the history of pornography, because when I was looking <laughs> at a lot of the pictures of, like, the witch dances with the devil and the stuff it's like orgies around a fire with like a beast and a like there were some like pretty mm, I don't know like you know intricate drawings in there and I was like damn like these people were just like out of their fucking minds you know and you know how it was like you've seen movies shows you've seen these things referenced like you've probably lived it a woman like walked by and the man shuddered with desire and he was like it was her richly seductive ways that hath doth caused me to have a sinful thought now she must be tortured 
but the torturing was there was something erotic about it like a woman would pay like it was like they, they were like the, the past version of today's modern incels right these were just like ugly niggas who could not fuck and so they made up whole societies laws rules and situations where they would get to be in control of a woman's body in every single way and try to break her and they thought that it would make them feel better and they loved every second of it every sick disgusting brutal second of it and because they had like what the ability to write or the they had basically because they had each other because they had their little men's groups who felt the same way egging them on they just like made studies out of it and they were like yes 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 um the witches have been in town and we must punish them and we must wipe out witchcraft from the face of the earth so much going on in this fucking podcast episode here so much such a deep fucking dive and so once again that's the danger of you know living in a silo or having a cult actually this is a perfect segue shout out to my spirit team again because when you have people around you telling you like yes 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 what you're saying is correct like you start believing your own shit no matter what it is as we can see and so this is where like we have the fun little tie-in because you know these these church systems which are also on their last breath which have for so long oppressed women and oppressed people and then evil evil things and we're in their modern iteration born of evil born of acts of jealousy greed selfishness a hatred for the opposite sex a weird fucking horny urge or whatever like these systems these church systems these education systems that are about power they thrive and they only live on brainwashing they only live when people are not allowed to ask questions they only thrive when people say like are not allowed to just like raise their hand and say like hey like i think you're fucking crazy like i think you're wrong and the the funny thing is like that's how america's facade is right like oh we're a democracy we have freedom of speech we're allowed to question but we're not it's a police state you know you can say whatever you want but there will be repercussions you understand what i'm saying Ooh, I'm preaching, I'm preaching, I'm preaching. Somebody needs to send me some fucking cash app. Somebody needs to do this. I need to find some water. The spirit is moving through me. Oh my God, I gotta go have a cigarette. All right, good at me. I'm my gracias. Because the cult of the church was able to be in power for so long, the way that the church works is like you have a priest, right, or a pastor who talks, and you have everyone in the congregation who listens, who sits in a pew. And I was recently in court for something, and I was like having this amazing, startling revelation of sitting in those pews felt just like sitting in a church pew. And I was noticing that the layout is the same, right? You have all these people on benches staring forward at one person in some kind of black cloak who is in charge of raining down judgment on others. How do African people organize? How do indigenous people move in fucking circles around drum, around food? 
we always meet in circle. I mean, not always. We can sit in a car together. Just try and follow what I'm saying. Like, But, like, we sit in circle because everybody present has something to bring. Not to say everyone has to fucking speak up. Maybe just someone's being there made a difference. But, like, our we all have a purpose here. We all have something valuable. So we all are going to feel heard at some point. Even if we feel angry, we feel like our, 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 our message was denied, or even if we're overexcited, we're going to be given a space in that circle. This is the way that it has been for our people for many, I don't know, years, for many, many times. <laughs> the people who became broken off from their connectivity, the people who did this colonizing in Europe and this, 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 this great spiritual break and this imbalance, they brought their lines with them instead of their circles. They brought their pews with them, their, their men in black robes, their preaching, their one person has the authority over other people, this hierarchy. And what happens is that people grow that hierarchy in themselves. People try to replicate that because people want to do their best, but people only want to do their best in that, in that, in that sphere because they feel like they haven't been seen or heard. And the reason they feel like they haven't been seen or heard is because they haven't. But that is like, you know, an original witch wound, funnily enough. The reason they don't feel seen or heard is because they're this toxic society is telling them that they're not valuable. The reason that they only feel like they need to be validated by other people is also because of this same system. They don't need the validation of the priest or the judge or whatever. You need the validation of you and God, you and nature. That's what you need to get right with. Everything else doesn't matter. That's not how this system teaches it. And so when this system brought this violence here to this continent and it ravaged its sickness, its syphilis, its disease, its smallpox, its alcoholism, its violence, its degradation of women and children, its, you know, assault, rape, sexualization of women and children, its, its um, gender binary violence, depraved energy here into this land and into all these people here in the Americas and the Caribbean, into Africa from these small, small places in Europe, uh, you know, some people started to build those same systems within themselves. And ultimately, that's what we're working to dismantle. And the reason it's important to know and acknowledge that is because in a circle, you can see everyone, or you can feel everyone's presence, or you can be with everyone. In a pew, in a quorum, you can't always see everyone. You have to turn around, look who's behind you, watch your back, watch your front. When you don't have the space to be whole and to be wholesome with the people around you, things are going to get left out. When things get left out, things start to fester or things get forgotten. People get discarded or, or people get resentful. Either way, people don't voice how they're really feeling because there's not a space for them to do so. It's so amazing because when I was young and growing up, everything I learned about the Holocaust and about Nazi Germany 
there was always this warning, you know, people always say, oh, that could never happen to us, we would never do it. But the people who were, you know, so dangerous, the Nazis, it wasn't the people who enthusiastically signed up to support Hitler. It was the neighbors who shut their curtains and did not help when Jewish people were being asked to put stars on them, when trans people were being rounded up, when disabled people were being killed. It was the people who looked away who said, like, I better not get involved until it affects me. It was that famous poem that at first they came for the Jews when I didn't speak up, then they came for the black people when I didn't speak up. Then when they came for me, there was nobody to speak up for me. It's all of that stuff. And now that it's happening again on a fucking global scale, we have if we're gonna actually defeat it, we have to understand what it is. We have to restore the sacredness and sanctity of that circle. We have to heal within ourselves. Our insecurities are needing to be validated by other people. We have to know that everyone in the circle has something to share. And we have to, the thing that people like to overlook because they have the benefit of the privilege of education. I should have fucking led with this. I should say that a, a hundred thousand times. The thing that these same liberal white people and stuff love to overlook because they think that they've beaten it, which they obviously haven't, is that they think like, okay, well, if I could see like, you know, white supremacy is bad, or if I could see a certain thing, everyone else could see it. So harumph, if they can't see it, fuck them. The people, and actually, I actually remember reading that Daniel Four wrote this many months ago. The thing is that the people who are off-ramping from the violence of Zionism, when they're gonna want a space to go, what's gonna happen if all your activists are like, fuck you, you should have spoke up sooner, you nasty fucking bitch. And because some of you can't understand what I'm saying, I will tell you like this. Oof, I don't wanna say this. <laughs> I can't say that. I can't say that at all. When people are leaving the church or whatever, you have to have mercy with the people who have been brainwashed their entire lives. The reason that I'm posting also the videos of, I can't remember, I think his name is Hamza. Shout out to him. He's like, he's a YouTuber, he's a gamer, he's a TikToker. But he's always posting these videos of him on like Omegle, right? And he's flipping through and he's always just fighting these like Israelis. He's like young too himself. But you know, it, there's always a sense of like Israeli kids to come on in their teens or whatever. And they're like, oh, are you Palestinian? fuck you, we kill you, we hate you. And he's like, wow, that's what they're teaching you, that's sad. And, you know, uh, recently, like in the last month, I posted one where it was a young boy, man, presenting boy, person, I don't know their gender, who re who they were reasoning for a long time. And he was like, right, but you guys want to kill all Jews, you want to kill us, and so we have to kill you first. And he was like, we don't feel that way, your parents tell you that? And he was like, well, yes, that's why we have to do this war. Well, yes, that's why. And I had a lot of compassion for that exchange. And I have, I have two things I want to get into here. I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting antsy. So I'm going to try and say them pretty soon. And then I'll have my next cigarette. Um, the only option, there's two options. One is that a lot of the people who are in these death cults start to wake up. And they're going to need spaces to reintegrate into society, period. When people have been brainwashed and they have to go through a whole stripping of their whole identity, which, which let me fucking be clear with you, if I haven't been in the last hour and a half, 
you easily want to point your finger and say, yep, that's that's how you know white supremacists are, or that's how Zionists are, or that's how, but a little bit of that lives in most people, okay? There's a little, like, this is what I'm saying. Whenever you're going to go into grief, you strip back your own ego. You go through a soul death. And I'll fucking tell you straight, many of us who are healers, we have to go through them a fucking lot in this life. And it's not no fucking walk in the park, my friend. If you haven't gone through some of these soul deaths and these initiations, you really, you, I mean, you could run your mouth, but you don't really have a right to say anything because when everything you've ever been taught or believed has been stripped away from you, it's a terrible feeling. It's, it's so raw. It's like being skinned alive. You feel everything. And everything hurts. <laughs> but some of you start to go through that process. And before you know, healing, what happens is you get bitter. You, you turn into the same enemy. Because you start to say like, damn, my favorite childhood author is a fucking turf and uh, those books were bad. Well, I'm going to make everyone else feel as miserable as I feel now. You don't get to the point where you find joy again. Like, you don't have joy in your life. You don't have, like, people around you who are helping you to have peace and decompress and exhale. You're just, you're just in the misery. And when you start feeding misery off of misery to grow misery, you are the bad guy, my friend. 100%. Sorry. There's not, there's not like a, there's not an easy answer to this because it is nuanced because we are fucking fully fleshed human beings. Or, who to and to see it out, bitch. Everybody who don't agree with me is gonna die. And let me ask you a question if you think this is like a joke. Have you ever taken a life? I'll tell you straight, like, I can see it in you that you fucking haven't. And I can see it in you that you don't really have what it takes. You could only do that if it was about you getting power. I don't think you could do that for other people. And these are all questions that are coming up right now for us. Because we're, we're watching armed resistance, armed quote-unquote guerrilla fighters or whatever, resistance fighters, <laughs> fighting off an occupying you know, world army. Right? We're watching David and Goliath play out. And a lot of us are so sick about being, you know, under Goliath's, you know, fucking kingdom that we think we're David. And that's where we're, you know, we need to be fucking humbled and shit and, 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 and you know, kicked at the fucking knee. We're not fucking David. We're in Goliath's kitchen cleaning his fucking floors, thinking that we're fucking doing something. Mind you, this is why you need to listen to black people, because black people know who do who know about how to fuck somebody up in a kitchen, you understand? If you know, you fucking know, bitch. But, you know, that's all I have to say. So this was really important to me and my spirits. And um, I have a lot of targeted words for a person, you know, uh, so like, how do I say this? Like a subgroup of like, <laughs> not sub as in fucking inferior, but sub as in like under another group, like a cult of people who are, you know, doing certain things 
who, to be honest, y'all scare me more than blindness. You know, more than the Israeli army. Because the Israeli army knows what the fuck they're doing. They've been brainwashed, sure, but like they can see what they're doing. You, you don't know what you're doing. You're unpredictable. You're scarier because you think you're the good guys. You know. It's like how I always used to describe racism versus the North versus the South. Like, another story. When I was in New Orleans for the first and only time of my life, yeah. Me and Erica, shout out Erica. It was like a VIP floor. Like, the whole floor was VIP. Like, just to get on that floor, you needed the, the key card. Erica had the key card. Of course she did. Erica's a fucking G. And she was like, yeah, come on, Vanessa. I was like, oh, my God, thank you. So we get up to the, the VIP floor. Shoo, top of the building, beautiful windows, looking out all over New Orleans. Got the biscuits, the scones, the breakfast, the coffees, the teas, the fucking gilded chairs. And we go in, and we're like, damn, we go to sit down. And these old white women gave us the nastiest stink look, picked up their chairs, moved to the other side of the room, and then they just quit to be in the same vicinity as us, and they left. Me and Erica were cackling, laughing, and I was just, and I was, I mean, it was like funny, but I was like, damn, I was like, I, I like, that was like, you know, pretty blatant. Like, I, I've never really, like, seen it, it blah, 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 so we talked about it and stuff. And I never forgot it, but I was thinking about how it's better to do that, right? It's better to wear that shit on your chest than here in the liberal north with this kind of, this kind of thing where the people do the microaggressions, right? They'll smile in your face, they'll do the this, but then they, you know, they'll find a secret way that you're wrong or that you're doing this or that you're whatever, but they can't really explain it. And it's because it's racism and it's because it lives in them, but they don't think they're the bad guys. That's what makes them the most dangerous. Those are the people who, when push comes to shove, you know, if the cops, like they would call the cops, like the, boom, like a couple of weeks ago, a woman called the cops on her black foster child, a white woman from Vermont, because he like stole vapes. And she wanted to like teach him a lesson and the cops came and like sedated him and fucked him up and arrested him. She was like, oh my God, what are you doing? I thought you would just teach him a lesson. Like, bitch, this ain't no fucking Norman Rockwell. You got a black temporary son? You can't be playing with the cops with your black fucking children. That's why they're more racist. Like in the South, at least, they'd be like, this dirty nigger steals things. Let's fucking fuck him up. And I'm so sorry to bring up old stereotypes of the racist deep South because we do have a racist deep North. But I mean, like the liberal racist North is so much more dangerous or equally as dangerous as people who would happily talk about, you know, unaliving other people. Because these people think that they don't have it in them to do that, but they do. And that's why I said you're dangerous. That's why I said you would, you know, you would unalive someone for power, but you wouldn't do it for someone else. And that's what it comes up to a guess. You think you're the resistance, but you're the capital. And you think because you know that you're in the capital, you understand the fucking nuanced dynamics. But I ask you to your face, how many fucking black people do you see on a daily basis? How many native people? How many Palestinian people? Right? Then shut the fuck up. Please. Your fucking hot takes on other white people being worse than you are not what's needed right now. You need to humble yourself. But I know you won't. Um, I said a lot of really important things in there. And I really hope that these messages reach where they're meant to reach. 
exactly the way they're meant to. This and this. We are gonna get through this. And I can't tell you what to do. I can't I can't give you actionable advice. Cause I, I need to live for my son. But I'll tell you just like maybe you need to like do where your heart is calling you to do. And like, you know, educating yourself and and dealing with your emotions every day are such important steps, right? Look at what happened when we see the well-executed actions of an activist in New York a couple months ago at what Pret-a-Manger, liberating the shelves of food and bringing it to poor people. Or the protesters in Oakland on the bridge, shout out Jersey Noah and everybody who's facing charges. I mean, who's facing, yeah, who's facing charges, who went up and shut that shit down to make people see what's happening, to make people aware, to bring people's attention to what's happening. There are an endless amount of things that you can do for all of the present and continuing genocides that are being played out on the world stage. But they start when you're your best healthy self, when you have the ability to self-reflect, to hold space, the capacity to grieve. And I want you to not underestimate the importance of your grieving. Cause like, you know, anybody who has a, like a heart and is interested in changing the world, like we need you. We need you in the world that you're supposed to play. So like, do that. Don't stop showing up. My thing is that like, it's more annoying and not as fun to go home to your fucking racist uncles or aunties or whatever the fuck and sit down and meal. You know, when everybody, you know, wants to do the part that brings you joy, that brings you in with your community, where you, you know, people tell you you're doing a great job, where you, you know, look in the face of the beast and tell it it's a beast, you know? But maybe like your uncle really needs like you. Needs somebody to find humanity in him. You know, maybe that's not your job. But like, have have you tried that? Like seriously, the important work comes in many shapes and forms. So. If you listen to this, I appreciate you. I appreciate you holding space with me. Wow, what an honor. And with my guides and with the dead of this land, which is occupied Nipmunk country. And, uh, Palestine. I could talk about this for years. I could talk about this for years. I'll just say one more thing, which is what I said in the piece that I wrote, that I published today. 
which is that you don't think it's nuanced. You think it's good versus bad, us versus them, which is hilariously binary thinking already. But like, what about Kat Janice's son? Kat Janice made the song Dance the Night Away, Dance You Out of My Head, whatever the fuck. Everybody using that song on every TikTok video I see. She said all the streams are going to her dying seven-year-old son. She's dying of cancer in front of all of us on TikTok. We all stream the music. We're all proud of her. It's getting played in radio stations in the UK, UK, UK. She's a Zionist, a stout Zionist. Israel, state of Israel, used her song in one of the recent TikTok videos. Now, you know, tell me that's not nuanced. Well, it's when it's not. We just don't listen to the music. I okay. But does her son deserve to have, you know, provisions for when he grows up? Okay, do all children? Because if not, where's the line? Where's the limit? Do you see how easy it is to become the thing that you hate? Because if her son doesn't deserve to have things set up for him, then no child does, right? I want y'all to reflect on the early days of this, this genocidal intervention after October 7th, and the videos and the pictures that came out of Hamas returning hostages, of Hamas and how gentle Hamas has been with babies, with children, with women. Hamas is spiritually fucking grounded. Hamas knows what the fuck they're doing. Do you? I'll leave you with that. There's no one. I love you. Peace. Goodbye.